1: and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Dr. Nate Zinzer. He's an expert in the psychology of human performance who consults with individuals and organizations seeking to gain a competitive edge. He has been the director of West Point's influential performance psychology program, and in his new book... The Confident Mind, A Battle-Tested Guide to Unshakable Performance, he talks about the secrets of mental toughness and self-belief and mastering confidence. In this conversation, we talk about what is confidence? What do people often think of what confidence is by their definition versus what the real definition is, which we clarify right up front. And then we go into, well, how do you gain true confidence and what does that leverage for you in terms of outcomes in your life? I know that you're going to love this conversation with Dr. Nate. I loved talking with him, and this is a great book. Uh, trust me, it is. So I will just get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Dr. Nate Zinser. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Dr. Nate Zinzer. Dr. Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you,
0: Eric. It's great to get beyond the to-do list.
1: Yes. Well, and I guess you probably don't talk to a lot of, in your line of work, you don't talk to a lot of productivity people. You've done a lot of leadership-type shows, I think. I've listened to a few different episodes. You've been across other different podcasts. Secret Sauce there, by the way. That's always what a good podcaster does, as I try to claim to be, is listen in to somebody you're going to be talking to as they talk to other people. So you get ideas as to what you know they're ready to say at a moment's notice with questions you may not have thought of, but you can acclimate to your own show. So there's a freebie. But anyways, <laughs> it's awesome to talk with you. I am excited to talk about the new book, The Confident Mind, A Battle-Tested Guide to Unshakable Performance. So that title fits squarely in what we talk about or the fringe, you know, beyond the to-do list fringe of topics we can go anywhere with in terms of productivity, obviously, when it comes to productivity, who wouldn't want to have unshakable performance in all the things that they're doing, right? Indeed. So I am curious, though. Obviously, I've gone through the book, but I'm curious if we could start in this one specific place, because I think a lot of people, they hear the word confident and they think of confidence And I think you've got a definition of the word confidence versus how others often define it. And I'd love to start laying some groundwork and some bedrock as to where we can start from in terms of conversation-wise.
0: Sure thing. You're quite right, Eric, that the topic of confidence and the idea of being confident is somewhat confusing and somewhat misrepresented. Uh, There are a lot of misconceptions about it. You know, we think of a really confident person as someone who is standing up tall and sort of thrusting their chest out and maybe calling attention to themselves, when really confidence on a functional level is really an internal process. It's really all about how you think. My working definition for anybody who cares to use it is that confidence is a sense of certainty about yourself, about a given ability or abilities which allows you to execute those abilities pretty much without thinking about them, pretty much unconsciously. You've practiced something, you've done something enough times, and now you can do it without having to think your way through each step of it and wondering if you're doing it right. Because it's that questioning about oneself, it's that over-preoccupation with the mechanics of what you're doing that interferes with the smooth delivery of your actual skill level.
1: If I hear you correctly, I hear you saying that it's not certainty, it's a sense of certainty. In Mm -hmm. other words, it's one part mental, one part emotional, but muscle memory about yourself when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty accurate way to look at it. I don't use the term muscle memory myself. I know what everybody means when they say that. They're talking about something that's kind of ingrained in you. But it's not ingrained in your muscles, ladies and gentlemen. Your muscles don't know how to remember anything. Your muscles aren't capable of remembering anything. Your muscles just do what they're told. So it's really your nervous system. It's your brain. It's your spinal cord. It's all those connected neural circuits that inform your muscles about when to contract and how hard to contract and in what sequence to contract and relax. And it's having those neural patterns ingrained in you And not questioning them, just allowing them to operate. That's what we're talking about with the sense of certainty.
1: Yes, yes. And so, again, I want to go back to that. You say a sense of certainty. You know, it's debatable whether anybody can know anything for certain. But I like that you say a sense of certainty. It's an atmosphere. It's a state of mind. It's a way of being instead of dogmatic, no, I am right. It's, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right based on the data.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right based on the data. I have enough evidence in my life about my ability to hit the tennis ball or make that uh, foul shot in the last seconds of the game or to deliver a great closing argument or to answer a bunch of questions on a physics midterm exam. I have enough evidence about my ability in whichever area we were talking about, and I can be kind of certain about that. So when I get onto the court or into the testing room, I'm not wondering about how I'm going to do. I got a sense that I've, of my certainty and I'm going to look at the problem and I'm going to execute. I'm going to watch the ball and I'm going to hit the ball as opposed to worrying, thinking, planning, making contingencies all the way through my performance. And all of those unrelated, unnecessary thoughts simply interfere With your perception of what's actually going on in the moment, with your automatic recall of the thing to do, given what is in the moment, and then the actual delivery of the instructions to your muscles through those neural pathways that we're talking about that tell you to move to hit the ball or move your fingers on the keyboard or move your fingers with the pen across the paper to answer the darn questions on the physics exam.
1: Great. And I kind of see this as a you know, like a, a spectrum in a way of confidence in terms of proper amount of confidence. I'd put what you're saying in your definition, a sense of certainty in the middle and pick two far poles from that center, and you've got no confidence at all on one side, and then on the other far side you've got overconfidence or unhealthy confidence or as most people it, ego basically.
0: I would call it false confidence. Yes. A sense that you can do something when in fact you have not developed the skill, the competency to support that. I find it far more common in our world. And you can tell me that if this is true for you, it's far more common in our world that people actually have developed a fair amount of competence, but they don't trust it. Mm. They will not allow what they have actually done to create that sense of certainty. We live in a world where we are constantly encouraged to focus on our shortcomings and mistakes, to basically entertain and maintain a pretty vocal internal critic. And what those forces do is inhibit people who may indeed have done enough training, enough practice, enough study to walk into their performance arena Again, it doesn't matter if it's a playing field, a basketball court, a laboratory where they're conducting an experiment or a room where they're being tested or a job interview that accumulated doubt doesn't allow their actual competence to come through, even though they got it.
1: Yeah. In fact, they should be confident by all means, because they've mm-hmm. got enough data points, memories, achievements, you know, in other words, indicators of places That would lend towards a sense of confidence, but they haven't done the work. I'll I'll just insert that, you know, uh, whatever form that takes for them, and we can walk through that a little bit more. They haven't done that work in order to convince themselves to have that sense of confidence. Exactly. So, what do we do with the other people that uh, you know? Most people, you know, when when most people again, when they hear that word confident or confidence, they think, oh, they've got it all together. Or the loud and proud type people, the, the people with an ego. What do we do with those people? <laughs> those
0: people are eventually going to get themselves into a level of performance or competition where their lack of actual competence is going to hit them right in the face. And at that point, they're going to have to decide. well, I guess I got to go back to school. I guess I better go back and actually start building myself up and developing, you know, a little bit of stronger work ethic develop work habits, really build my skills up. So then I can indeed have something upon which to base a very powerful sense of certainty.
1: So I think people, you know, listening so far, they might be able to fill in or place themselves, you know, if this was a, you know, if we're sitting here setting up a game board to play a game, they'd be able to pick up a piece and say, okay, I know where I fit on this spectrum. And they may not like where they find themselves. So yeah. what if, for example, what if I feel like there's a lack of evidence or I don't yet have that sense of confidence to do something that I've either never done before or I show up, but I'm not yet convinced that I have that sense of confidence? Gotcha. To
0: pursue the line of evidence that we've been talking about, the trick for anybody in that situation, Eric, is to start looking for evidence. Start going back. Let's take advantage of some of your memories. Let's manage those memories. Let's filter a lot of the memories you have. And let's bring out of your past some shining moments that might actually indicate, oh yeah, there's there's a heck of a lot of competence here. Okay? So I ask just about everybody I work with, to be honest with themselves and, you know, we discuss what are the moments in your life where you have indeed shown sparks of competence. We might have to go back to, you know, your middle school years. Tell me about your top 10 best moments in your performance situation, whether it's a sport, whether it's a business profession, whether it's an artistic pursuit. Let's come up with your top 10 moments. Let's make a list. Let's make them really obvious. Let's print that list out and put it someplace where you're going to see it often so that you were reminded, oh yes, I had that four goal game against this big rivalry. Oh yes, I was recruited to play division one. Oh yes, I got that call on draft night to enter the National Football League. It's the way we use these memories. It's it's not what actually happens to us, Eric. It's how we think about what happens to us. And so we've got to get in the habit of looking for that evidence, looking for the best in ourselves, looking for where we put in the good effort, looking for successes, both little and big, and looking for ways and indications that, yeah, we're making progress in things. I'm learning about the periodic table. I'm much more comfortable with that. I'm learning about contract law. I am learning. My footwork on setting up the cross-court background is getting better and better and better. I'm learning to look for that stuff.
1: And that's definitely something that requires some practice, some training to get good at because most people, they may have a a number of memories, experiences, data points, in other words, in their past that would point towards them being able to have a sense of confidence. And yet all of us make mistakes. And sometimes we get bogged down or stuck or point to those data points as telling us the opposite. We should not be confident.
0: Even if those data points are few and far between compared to the other data points that comprise solid evidence in our favor. Isn't it interesting, as you point out, that we kind of default to the memory of the setbacks and the difficulties, as opposed to defaulting to the memories of success and progress? It's fascinating. To talk to people about that, you know, I work with a lot of athletes and they can tell me, yeah, you know, I can put the ball in the goal eight times out of 10 in a given drill, but it's the memory of those two misses that just narks me. And I finished the drill, just pounded my stick on the, on the turf. Like, okay, well, you know, you do have a choice about what you remember. You might want to do yourself a favor. And recall the one or two best shots of the eight that you put in and take that memory with you into the next drill and practice rather than beating yourself up over the two that you missed. And then, if I may, they typically say, Yeah, but if I only think about the ones I got in, how am I ever going to improve? And I say, Wait a minute, man. What gets you more fired up? to go out and work hard and improve your skills, is it the sting of something that you missed out on and did poorly, or is it the joy and excitement and satisfaction of having it done right a bunch of times? And I've never had anybody actually say, oh yeah, it's the sting of that terrible moment that motivates me better to
1: go out and practice. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people Dot com slash to do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Practice more. This episode is brought to you by Lexus. Our priorities have changed and it's not just about getting ahead. Or the constant grind. It's about knowing what you want and focusing on what matters. That's the kind of thinking that went into the completely redesigned 2022 Lexus NX. It's more than an available 14 inch touchscreen, they've given it an all new intuitive interface designed to minimize distractions and frustrations. More than an impressive safety system, it has the most advanced standard active safety system ever offered in a Lexus designed to not only help protect you and your passengers, but Others on the road. More than offering gas, turbo, and hybrid options, it's also available in a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. More than a well-designed driver-centric cockpit, it's available with a wide range of features that any driver can appreciate, like a panorama glass roof, thematic ambient illumination, and an all-new virtual assistant that can be summoned by simply uttering the phrase, Hey Lexus! To see the new NX and to discover everything it was designed to do for you, visit Lexus.com slash NX, the all-new 2022 Lexus NX. Welcome to the next level. PHEV model available in states excluding Vermont that have adopted zero emissions vehicle regulations. I can't help but wonder, because we have this almost negative slant as a default mode for our thoughts and our feelings, uh, you know, (laughs) even if we in our head know I know that I have, again, like you just in that example, I've got eight out of 10, but I can't help but feel like those other two just weigh on me so much. How do we start to create a pattern of thought that is more mature? Obviously, it's a long-term play here, but how do we start to self-correct those thoughts?
0: One day at a time, one hour at a time, one practice session at a time. You just got to take it literally hour by hour.
1: Starting with awareness at first. Yeah,
0: yeah. What the heck am I holding on to? How is that affecting me? Is it affecting me in the way I really want to be affected? And guess what? I have a choice about what I can hang on to. It's amazing, Eric, the look on people's faces when I informed that, okay, well, you have a choice whether you hang on to the memory of the two misses or the memory of the two best ones of the eight that you put in. You have a choice about that. You're not a, a slave to any particular memory. This is called free will. This is a really cool thing about being human. You have that capability. And sometimes you go, well, I never thought about it that way. But this is what we're trying to get people to understand.
1: Ultimately, it's some sort of a shock to the system to be told you actually do have a choice when it comes to that. Actually,
0: you actually do have a choice, and it's really your responsibility to yourself. And if you happen to be part of a team, part of a athletic team, work team, organization, it's your responsibility to the organization because you want to contribute to the organization. It's your responsibility to the organization to make. That more constructive choice about what you hang on to.
1: And I want to make sure to call this out here, too, because, again, awareness is so powerful. We're not talking about something that's just an optimistic sort of delusion where you're wishing things into existence. But this is it's a healthy approach that then instills it's based on facts, in other words.
0: Yeah, it's it's based on you looking for things that justify a certain degree of enthusiasm and optimism, okay? That is the way you use your memories, and that's the way you talk to yourself about how you want to operate in the real world, in the moment. I will say that there's a place for a little bit of constructive delusion, you know? Using your imagination to think, hmm... That might be possible. That could be pretty cool. Now, I'm not talking about walking up to the top of a 10 story building and saying, well, let's be delusional. I think I can defy gravity, you know, or anything ridiculous like that. But, you know, the idea that, you know, I can make that promotion. I can get myself to that level of knowledge, to that level of competence. You know, I can improve my 10K distance. You know, I can approach that standard. So it's possible for all of us to use a little bit of constructive delusion, kind of the way we did when we were learning to ride a bicycle without training wheels. I mean, we had a sense that it was possible and we needed that sense that it was possible in order to get back on the bike after we had wiped out the first two, three, four, 20 times that we did it. So a little bit of delusion is okay. But let's be careful about how we do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and let's be clear. It's a leap of faith. In other words, you're leaping off of facts. You're still basing it off of something. And that actually is, is a kind of a landing place. A lot of us find ourselves in when we're lacking confidence, you know, we may have some built up sense of confidence, maybe not as much as we probably should based on doing the work. Like I was talking about earlier, but we come to the place of. I've never done this particular thing before, and there's the the leap of confidence to attempt it versus having done it before and the difference between those two scenarios.
0: Mm -hmm. I find that the difference between those two scenarios can often blur, you know, Yeah. because somebody can say, yeah, well, I've done it before. I've done it before. I've done it before. I've done it before. But it's different today for whatever freaking reason they can come up with. It's amazing some of the reasons that people can come up with in order to, in their own way, justify a lack of confidence in something that they have indeed done. On the flip side, somebody can also think, well, okay, I failed at it once, I failed at it twice, but things are different today, I got a good chance of making it happen. I'm good enough to make it go. One of the stories that I relate in the book deals with what I consider to be the greatest story from the 2016 Rio Olympic Games when a young American woman by the name of Helen Maroulis won the first ever gold medal for the United States in women's freestyle wrestling. And in order to win that medal, she had to beat a Japanese woman who had won the three previous Olympic gold medals and every world championship in between those three previous Olympic competitions and who had defeated the American, Helen Maroulis, twice before. Helen Maroulis was able to tell herself, I'm enough, I'm enough, I've got enough. I'm not perfect, I'm not the greatest wrestler that ever lived on the planet, but I'm enough. And so there was, I guess you could say, a little bit of delusion in that, because the reality was that she was not favored to defeat the reigning Japanese champion. But in her own mind, that conviction, I'm enough, is what we're talking about.
1: And it's truly a, a third times the charm kind of a scenario. And in, in fact, the data is kind of pointing towards you can't do it. Absolutely and yet she still was able to flip that switch and shift her perspective.
0: Yeah, from from a scientific point of view, the best predictor of future behavior is always past behavior, but maybe there are moments in our lives where we want to throw science out the window and have that little bit of conviction. We're not talking about throwing science completely out the window. Again, if we were doing that, then Helen Maroulis would not have done All the work, all the training, all the preparation, all the study that would enable her to defeat this previously undefeated Japanese champion. So she's doing the best she can to gain the experience, to build the confidence, and at the same time, okay, I'm going to have just that little bit of constructive delusion, this sense of, again, sense of certainty about myself that I'm enough to be good in this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And and it's an interesting and and unique, although not completely unique, situation where I think a lot of people have found themselves not on the Olympic stage, but in a challenging state where they've got a certain amount of confidence to get them to the ring. We'll keep using the metaphor of wrestling, I guess, to get them to the to get them into the ring, and even if they've stepped in twice before and. We'll use the word failed that that was data points again of experience that would have kept others back. But I assume in this instance, she used that as, okay. I did fail those two times, but I have now done the studying. I have improved my training. I have I have changed up the game a bit. Again, she put in more work. And so then she's able to supplement or remove those two factors or cover them over with other data in other words,
0: exactly. And it's data that she has somewhat sub- subjectively emphasized in her own mind. And everybody has the capability of doing it. You know, we can be slaves to our past. We can be the victims of our previous experience, or we can use all our previous experience to inform us and then extrapolate a little bit beyond what we've actually done into the realm of what we want to do into the realm of the kind of person that we want to be. This is a capability we all have. This is a choice that we are all making, by the way, every day, whether we realize it or not. And once you have that realization and you start working some of this stuff, you open up some horizons.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a, a future forecasting, as people in the business world would kind of say. So, and I think that the, again, even if you have a healthy amount of confidence, this is another person. You know, I go back to the game board metaphor. They can place their token on this circumstance that I'm about to, you know, elaborate on. Is somebody has stepped up and they have confidently succeeded over and over and over again, and yet. They still show up. And some people would say that even though they have fear and have overcome that fear over and over and over again, and the fear always shows up and they always overcome it, they would equate that fear with a lack of confidence. But I don't think that's what you say.
0: No, not indeed. What I say is that fear as an instinct of self-preservation is with us quite a lot. It's whether you're willing to sort of take that fear and momentarily set it aside. Not that it's going to disappear altogether, but you're going to say, okay, yeah, this is a scary situation. Some bad things could happen. What's the worst that could happen? Okay, I could I could not do well in this interview. Can I live with that? Is that going to be the end of the world? Of course not. So since I'm not going to worry about it, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to tell them what I know and tell them how I can help the organization. I can't control whether he's going to accept that and love that, but that's the best I can do. That's the best I can be. And I got to be content with that.
1: Yeah. The example that I kind of give sometimes that hit me as a resonance to this was public speaking. I've been on (laughs) many stages and spoken to decently large crowds. And that's not like a bragging thing. That's, you know, incrementally, they got larger over time. And I always like to speak sooner in an event You know, if it's multiple days and I'm there all those days, I kind of want to know that I'm going to be there, like, uh, you know, get it out of the way on the first day so I can just (laughs) relax and enjoy. Right. Because it's not that I have a lack of confidence. In fact, I've got a healthy sense of confidence. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to say. And I know that I've done it before and I know the data, but the fear kicks in and it's only like right beforehand, really. Usually I'm able to over time have gotten healthy about swatting it away, but it's only right beforehand within the, the hour before and it emphasizes itself or or the symptom that it shows itself with is I constantly feel like I've got to go use the bathroom and I don't even have to go. But that's right. that's how it manifests itself.
0: But that's how me. it manifests. That is just your body's natural arousal process that is built into all of us human beings. It, for you, it expresses itself in your urinary tract. For other people, it expresses themselves in this tight feeling in the chest. For other people it it manifests as the butterflies in the stomach or the sweaty palms or the the, the dry mouth. These are just signals that your body is going into a somewhat elevated biochemical state for the purpose of helping you do something that matters to you. It's your body's energizing process. Unfortunately, a lot of people tend to react to that signal, oh, my heart's pounding, as something is wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. This is how your body is designed to operate. Make friends with that signal. Interpret that signal as a wonderful gift. From your autonomic nervous system. You are now producing a whole bunch of very sophisticated chemicals in your own body. And those chemicals are designed to help you perform. They're going to make you a little stronger, a little faster, a little more reactive, a little more alert. That's all good stuff. Get comfortable with that. Change the way you think about it those pre-game, pre-presentation jitters, learn to understand what how good they are for you. And so treat them as a gift when they show up, because that's what they really are.
1: Yes. And and ultimately, to me, what I learned is all of what you just said. And on top of that, it shows that I care about what I'm doing. If I wasn't afraid of failing, even though all data points point to no, it won't happen, It would mean I didn't care about it, and then I wouldn't perform at the level I need to.
0: Indeed. Great point.
1: Other than, you know, again, doing the work, and one, I hope that somebody listening right now has heard that you have a choice of being confident, or you have a choice to focus on specific data points without denying facts, but that you have a choice, and that that awareness is one of, if not the very first step that you have a choice and being aware of it is a first step. And the second step is leaning into that and then starting to do that work. But what other steps that are super important here, what have we not brought into the conversation in terms of cultivating a confident mind?
0: I think a really important point in terms of that cultivation is the reality that this is not a one-time, magical, transformational fix this is a constant. This is an ongoing, daily, if not hourly, process. You can think of it, you know, I tend to express some things in, in military terms. Mm-hmm. And the military analogy here is the idea of an ongoing war of attrition. There's this constant threat and you just have to be slugging back against it. Time after time, day after day, for as long as you're actually trying to become good at something, as opposed to thinking that there's going to be some remarkable atomic bomb equivalent that you can drop on the enemy and that's going to stop them forever. It doesn't work that way. The cultivation of confidence is ongoing because we live in a very imperfect world and we're all imperfect beings and we're all going to experience all kinds of setbacks and imperfections. So we have to keep at it. Now, some people say, gosh, that's pretty depressing, Doc. I got to keep at this all the time. And I'm saying, yeah, you do. And guess what? So does everybody else. All the people you're competing against, all the opponents that you might face, They've got the same responsibility. They're dealing with the same reality that you are. It's a constant battle for them too, which means if you can just do this a little bit better than them, you have just created an advantage for yourself. So please look at it that way. Every time you are slugging back against the demons of self-doubt and worry, you are creating an advantage for yourself, and maybe your opponents and maybe your competitors aren't doing it as well as you are. Think about it that way. Just that
1: little, little inch over the opponent can make all the difference.
0: We're in it for the long term, folks. Yeah. This is called life. It's an endurance event. You got to keep up the pace.
1: Yes. I love that you use the word endurance. It's a long form journey. And again, I love that it's not towards certainty. It's towards a sense of certainty. And there's a big difference between those two things. I love that you differentiate those.
0: Thanks so much. This has been a great interview, great conversation. I hope your listeners have gotten a lot out of it.
1: I do too. And, and I would love to point people to where they can find out more about the work that you're doing, peek in on more about the book. We've kind of discussed about the book, around the book, but I mean, I think we've covered a lot, actually. Uh, and I think we've really piqued some people's interest. So where would you like to direct people to for them to find out more?
0: NateZinser.com is my personal website. People can uh, throw questions at me if they're curious about learning more. I think the book has a fairly exhaustive reference list if people really want to get into some of the science behind how this particular process works in the human animal.
1: Perfect. Okay. I will make sure to link up to that in the show notes. And again, I I really think pointing people towards awareness of this first and foremost, and then down this path that honestly, a lot of us are on, but weren't even really aware of it. But once we become aware of it, it becomes a little more possible to be intentional.
0: Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Become aware and then become intentional with yourself as you do so.
1: Yeah. So Dr. Nate, thank you so much for talking with me today. And I'm super excited for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Eric, for the opportunity to be on and my best wishes to all your listeners for a great 2022.
1: Well, that's another podcast episode crossed off your listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Nate Zinser. I know that I enjoyed talking with Dr. Nate, and I hope that you've come to get a better and more clear definition of confidence and then how you can truly gain it. And I hope that you gain insight into a previous episode that's been recent about regrets with Daniel Pink, because this episode and that one kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways. If you missed that episode, go find it at beyondthetodolist.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, I would love for you to do me the favor of sharing it with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice. Think of that person. Share it with them. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next episode.